Hey listener, I hope you're doing well today. I'm Akil, and you're listening to Pixels and Panels, a show where I take you deep inside the world of digital comics through conversations with your favorite characters and top industry executives. My guest today is Arisa's Art. She's one of the many talented comic creators from Germany and author of My Masochistic Boss, a fun, vibrant GL comic about a young writer's evolving relationship with her quirky editor, who has a fun little secret that she's hiding. In today's episode, you will learn how Arisa failed her way to building a successful webcomic, her strategy in growing a loyal, paying audience on Patreon, and catch a sneak preview of her next webcomic. She even shares which One Piece characters inspired her current main characters. Hope you enjoy the listen. Hey, Arisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How about you? I'm doing well. It's a it's a beautiful day out here. Uh, so to start, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, about myself. So I'm Arisa. I'm a comic creator from Germany, and I'm currently also a college student. So yeah, I'm cre- I'm the creator of um, my masochistic boss. I have really enjoyed my masochistic boss so far. I really, really like your art style. And I have a few questions about that in a little bit. But to start, how did you get into creating webtoons? Creating webtoons, that's actually a long story, but it started uh, with how it started for most people, I guess, when they were really young. When I was like eight or nine years old, I think I got into like the school library and they had like mangas out there, like comics and mangas. And I remember reading my very first manga, which was called Kill La Princess. It was about like Disney princesses, etc. cetera. Um, it was like a collab between manga and Disney princesses. It was pretty cool back then. And I remember how like reading it, I thought, man, this is so beautiful. And I want to be able to create something like that myself. And I started to like uh, draw comics like back then. But I remember when I was like then, like I got 12 years old or something like that. I guess it was 12. Um, Most people around me, because I really wanted to become like a mangaka, (laughs) most people around me said to me, yeah, I mean, that's like a nice hobby, etc. But not nothing that you could like really earn enough money to live from. So you can like keep it as a hobby, but I wouldn't try to make it into a career or anything like that so I like lost it I lost it a little bit and I um, like specifically in middle school I didn't drew anything whatsoever I drew I didn't draw for years after that until I got like 18 and um, I remember that was like in high school where my teacher would ask me, oh, what do you want to do after high school? And I said, uh, I actually planned on either studying medicine or psychology. And I, I could have done that, but I just really recognized that I really hated to learn that much about like health science because that was like, um, that, that was what I was concentrating back then. That was like the main subject that we had at my school. It was like focusing on health science and I re- it's super interesting and I love it. Um, but it's just so much you need to learn. And I just, uh, it was a pretty stressful time in high school, which is why, um, my teacher said back then to me, you know what, if there's just one thing 
that you have that you know that you could do nearly every day without getting really sick from it like that's your career right there like just at least try it until before you uh, start to give up on it already just try it out and it's okay like give yourself um give yourself the opportunity to fail sometimes and try it out and again and again and the worst that can happen is that it's not going anywhere and then you can still choose to uh to study something that um is maybe not your first choice but at least try it out because you might regret it way more not trying it than trying and failing nonetheless yeah i really ad i admire the courage and uh <laughs> someone was giving you some very strong advice at 12 um which is which is interesting but uh in terms of you know you talked a little bit about the comics that you read growing up uh what were some of your favorite comics manga anime curious to hear a bit more about that like growing up, I guess, like one of my absolute favorites until this day are Hunter Hunter and Code Geese, because I remember watching them also when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And to this day, they're still like my absolute favorite shows. And they really stuck to me specifically because like of the main characters like Hilura or Lelouch, because I uh, relate to them a lot. And they definitely left a big impact on my personality, I guess, and on a lot of things and how I view the world. Um, but other than that, also like a lot of other shows um, are obviously shows like One Piece or like Vinland Saga is actually like a manga, uh, but it's finally getting a second season. I'm so excited for it. And also uh, shows like Akatsuki no Yuna or Kingdom or Kaiji. Like I love stories that are actually really strategic or stories where everything gets a little bit more into depth. So um, I know it might surprise a lot of people because considering my comic, uh, my Mesekasi boss, it's like a rom-com and it's really simple and silly, etc. But I actually am a huge fan of like thriller and I love it when characters like try to trick each other. I'm a huge sucker for that. <laughs> I really want to do a bonus episode where we spend 30 minutes talking about the similarities between you and Lelouch, because I think that could be <laughs> a ton of fun, but uh, we, we, will, we will save that for another day. Um, in terms of your artistic style, like, mm. I, I, obviously, you know, anybody listening, please go read this webtoon. Um, it's really bright and fun and super mm -hmm. expressive. What has been your inspiration for this artistic style? So when I started with digital art, which was like three years ago now, I, I started to watch a lot of videos from like Lavender Town and she has like a very cartoonish art style. And back then I had also a very cartoonish art style. Like maybe after the podcast, I can show it to you, like which were like my first digital drawings. They were very cartoonish. Um, nothing at all what it looks like right now but I remember when I was then like starting on webtoon or I wanted to start in webtoon I recognized that a lot of the comics um that were successful had like a very anime-ish art style so I tried to like change it a little bit so that it looks more anime-like <laughs> um but like still has like some parts that reminds you of like some classical cartoons and more pastel colors so yeah I think it came up like that honestly 
Yeah, the, the color palette that you use is just amazing. And you can see the pastel really pop. Uh, so let's let's talk about the webtoon, My Masochistic Boss. Mm-hmm. What? How did you come up with the origin story here? Well, My Masochistic Boss actually wasn't my first comic that I've been working on. I actually had like two other comics before I started to work on that. So my very first comic was actually a thriller and was called like one more bite and it was like about cannibalism and all that stuff was a totally different topic (laughs) um but my second comic was the Impera app maybe you saw that on my youtube account like my very first video like how to do webcomic i show like the the comic the Impera app there is like a dark fantasy and the thing is that both of them didn't do very well so um like they did really poorly let's be honest here so they were not really what I wanted to work on even though I really like the idea and I really love the comics until this day and I'm really sad actually that I can't work on them um I decided that it would be better to try to invest my time into like a third comic and I uh wanted to create something that other people could enjoy but I would like as well so I so I wrote down everything that I think was like or would be Um, enjoyable for a broader audience but would still be something that I enjoy so and thus like my masochistic boss was created so yeah yeah of course and you know one thing that piqued my interest you mentioned that your first comic was a thriller what has Mm -hmm. it been like to change genres from a thriller to a (laughs) rom-com man it was wild (laughs) let's be honest it was kind of wild because um yeah the art stuff was also very different. It was more serious um, and more detailed and a little bit more realistic. And uh, like my two protagonists were guys, like specifically my protagonist was also a really muscular guy. So it was really different. Um, but it was also kind of fun because, um, it, because it was so different. It was also kind of a challenge at the beginning because right now I'm already very used to drawing the way that I do. And I think I come to a point where I can say, yeah, I um, finally have like an art style that is also more recognizable than the art style that I had for my first comic. So um, it's a pretty huge difference, but I'm, I'm glad that I did it. Uh, and you definitely come accustomed to it. Makes a lot of sense. Now let's talk about the characters. So you have... In my, my masochistic boss, you have Holly, who's the editor, Blaze, who's the young writer. Do you mind talking a little bit about how you came up with these two characters as your leads? Um, I actually remember I was watching One Piece back then. And like one of my absolute favorite characters from One Piece is Bora Hancock. <laughs> and maybe when I mention her, you might uh, already come to the idea how I came with, up with Holly because I really like the duality of Boa Hancock's character like she's she can be very cruel rude and very like an ice queen kind of like <laughs> and then on the other hand she can be really cute and very um very adorable when she's like around uh, Luffy but um so I kind of like I, I guess I kind of like came up with a character with uh, boy hancock and i was also watching another anime at the time that was called kiss sniper and i remember there was there was one character i actually didn't like the anime that much but there was one character 
I always loved seeing on screen and that was the character called Hisumu and Hisumu was like a super masochist and honestly every scene he came up with I laughed so much he was so funny and that's kind of why I, I came up with the idea was like oh what would it, what would it be like if um like someone would be a masochist where you expected the least like some sort of boss or some chef someone who has like a very dominant job or a, yeah, a, a job where they need to um, be very powerful at some sort but they're like secretly a masochist so it's like a huge plot twist kind of <laughs> So um, yeah, I came up with that idea for Holly and Blaze was a little bit inspired by um, Ace from One Piece because I always liked like the very cool character and like his very cool demeanor and still being very respectful and very nice to other people, at least when he got like older. I mean, when he was younger, he was a brat, but um, when he got older, he got very respectful, but still very cool and very kind. So I thought that um, someone as the counterpart who is like that, who's too cool to fall for like silly things uh, like Holly's behavior would be um, a pretty good matchup. They're really great foils for one another. <laughs> one thing that I appreciate about Webtoons is it allows for creators from all different types of perspectives to come and share a story. What has it been like for you as an LGBTQ creator to create a GL webtoon? I, I absolutely agree on that webtoon part that um, what I really appreciate on webtoon is that there is a lot of diversity that you don't really see on any other media as of right now, at least. I mean, it's getting better, but I think that's like one of the reasons why Webtoon is becoming so popular because a lot of people crave representation and Webtoon is like one of the few places where there's so many of that representation, like a lot of LGBTQ characters and a lot of diverse characters from all around the world. So, um, and even for myself, I knew that if I wanted to make a, a, a comic that would be a part of like the LGBTQ comics. I knew I wanted to make a girl's love because uh, I'm like part of the LGBTQ community myself. So I thought, you know what, if I make an LGBTQ comic, I'm definitely doing a lot woman loving woman comic specifically because back then for uh, like over a year ago, there weren't a lot of girls love comics at all. It's getting more popular for sure, but um that yeah the focus has always been more like on boys love and I like boys love but I think like the girls need some showtime oh, like they need a little bit more uh and a little bit more attention and they de definitely deserve it <laughs> yeah and I noticed in your comics you very often take some time to shout out a few comics that you really enjoy and it gave me a, a few great recommendations as well do you mind talking a little bit more about why that's so important to you, you know, taking some time in your own comic to feature others' work? I guess it's specifically because I know how hard it can be to be seen by other people because as I've already told you, like the first two comics that I've been working on never really got recognized at all. Um, I had like maybe a hundred readers like after 10 episodes or something like that. So it wasn't a lot. I mean, it is still... A good amount but it's really hard to get seen if you don't have anyone who's like pushing you or helping you a little bit 
there are a lot of people that never really get recognized by Webtoon or Tapas and never really get featured by them. So I want to help stories that I think are absolutely worth getting seen, like uh, to get a more huge um, readership. So I, I really want to support them a little bit more so that they get a chance. And yeah, I guess that's amazing. I love it. Makes a ton of sense. In terms of your creation of this webtoon, has there been a particular episode or scene that you enjoyed more than the others that was really fun for you to create? Yeah, definitely. I love the like the intro of the very first episode. I think that was so fun because you get like thrown into the scene right there and you're like, what's going on? Because she like asks you, could you please slap me in the face? And you're like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> Um, I really like the first scene, specifically during her face when she like asked for it. <laughs> and then there is also another scene that I've just drawn. It's not public yet. It's like uh, episode 27, the end of episode 27. If you read it, you may know why. That's like one of my absolute favorite scenes, but I don't want to spoil it. And another one would be like, I think it was an episode three where she like reaches out to her and there are like a lot of flowers around her um love that one as well like I love just when uh things go out a little bit out of place because I mean it is like um it's a realistic setting it's like not a fantasy settings and it's like the same characters over and over again so it can be a little bit repetitive so I'm always a little so I'm always very glad when I can draw them in a way that uh is a little bit is, more unique and outgoing. So My Masochistic Boss is a relatively new comic. You started this in December of 2020. Mm -hmm. What part of comic creation has been more difficult than you imagined? And what has been easier than you might have previously anticipated? Um, well, I guess hard would be that you try to meet your deadlines I guess I thought that would be a little easier I mean I never missed a deadline until now which I gotta say I'm really proud of for on myself that I never did it until now that I ever missed something but um, there were times where it would get really tricky <laughs> and really hard uh, to manage that uh, specifically if you have like exams uh, and all of that it's just sometimes really hard but um, I still like managed to do it nonetheless every time. So I'm actually really, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I will be able to manage that in the future as well. <laughs> and easier would be, um, at least for my masochistic boss, the writing is pretty easy for me. Be, uh, because like for my other two comics that I had before my masochistic boss writing was actually the most consuming part for me that uh, like the most time consuming part that I put a lot of effort into like the drawing was actually like the least amount that I've uh, like the, the the part that I've um, that took the least amount of time so but when it comes to my masochistic boss I think the writing actually goes very easy for me or it's pretty easy for me to imagine what the characters will do next because they have a very strong characteristic which is why I can always I can always immediately know what they will think or what they will say next so I think that would be my answer 
course, in case you were curious, I have mm -hmm. missed many deadlines in spectacular fashion. So I <laughs> envy your record here. Uh, yeah. I wanted to talk a bit about your Patreon, which has seen very, very quick growth as well. You said earlier you started this in February of this year and you've gotten over 100 supporters. So do you mind talking a little bit about how you first decided to do a Patreon and what inspired you to start it? Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to start with a Patreon because I remember back then when I wanted to start with a comic that I would put a lot of my free time into this. And at that time, I would also like me to have a part-time job because money, you know, like you need at least to some extent money. And specifically because I knew back then, like my drawing tablet was slowly but surely falling apart. It had a lot of errors and I really wanted to have a new one, but they can be really pricey. So I knew that I, <laughs> I needed at least a little bit more money. So um, I came up with the idea, yeah, um, a lot of other creators do that, that they have a Patreon. So you could totally do that yourself. And um, it came to the point where I got a little bit obsessed with checking out other Patreons. I like looked at so many, like at least hundreds. I'm sure I did that. I, I did a lot of research, like what um, other like more successful Patreons, what are, what are they doing? What are they offering for what amount of money? Um, and how much they probably like how much time they are probably taking uh, or they need for the specific rewards so I researched a lot because I really wanted it to to get at least some amount of money back so and specifically because I remember my family being like yeah it's cool that you're drawing comics but I mean like don't put too much of your free time into this because you're not gaining anything from that and it is kind of funny because now that I earn a good amount of it, I would say, um, they're really supportive. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess it also uh, helped my family to see it more as something that I actually put a lot of work on and is not just that I'm not just doing for funsies. That's super inspiring. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people look up to that and see, hey, I can create a living for myself doing this as well. Now, there are two very clever things that you're doing on your Patreon. The first is you provide not safe for work content. And the second is you allow subscribers to read ahead. So do you mind talking a little bit about how you arrived at providing these two things? You mentioned you did a ton of research <laughs> to get here, but mm -hmm. I'd love to understand how you decided these are the two things I'll provide. So I noticed, I think it's way um, better to check out pe people that are smaller or have a smaller following number and are still doing very, very well. So I always looked out more for that because I think a misconception for a lot of people is that the more re reader you have, that you automatically get more money from that. And obviously that tends to be the case, but that definitely doesn't need to be like that. Um, I think... I did reading ahead specifically because that's work that I'm going to do anyway. And it's easier for me because I know that I will always be able to meet my uh, deadlines because if I already know, okay, I'm three, four episodes ahead on my Patreon, I will always be able to meet the deadlines that I have for like my publish public uh, for my publish updates. And I think that's one of the reasons why I never missed an update until this point is because I worked ahead a lot. And the not simple work part, um, I think that was a strategic decision because 
like not safe for work is very very popular in general and that's something that st uh, stuck out um stood out for uh, most patreons that have like checked out that not safe for work uh always tends to be very popular so and i i mean i have the perfect comic to do not safe for work related content because i mean it's it's like a gross off it's romance related they're both um they're both adults and I don't know, it just uh, definitely was a good opportunity to do that. And it definitely, it definitely pay, paid out because um, like my highest tier is actually my most popular tier. Like I think over 70% or more of my Patreons are actually in my highest tier. So um, yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely fascinating. And has there been anything surprising that you've learned as you've launched your patreon in terms of what people have liked or just the reception that you've gotten i think the most surprising thing would be that the posts that were most liked were posts uh about projects that i'm planning to do like character concept art and not always my uh, actual rewards that i'm posting on there like I remember that my most liked post until now has been character concept of my next project, which is also uh, a girl's love, which will be a girl's love, but it's also like a dark fantasy. So there will be like uh, demons and ex and all of that stuff, like supernatural creatures. And a lot of people seem to like the concept of for, for my two next protagonists. Um, so that was kind of surprising, but I'm really glad <laughs> that they seem to like it so far. You've piqued my interest. Is there anything else you can tease <laughs> in terms of what your next webtoon will look like or when uh, fans can expect it? The next comic, I actually even have a name already for it. Uh, it will be called Too Cute to Kill. <laughs> and yeah, as I already said, it will be like a dark fantasy and there will be like a huntress and uh, she like gets stuck in that supernatural world. And now she needs to get along with like supernatural beings and creatures. And like there will be a lot of fun characters like a female orc or a witch that fights with an axe, like stuff like that. And I'm super excited actually to draw that because I already I always wanted to draw something more fantasy related. And I think that would be really cool. The art style will actually be very similar to the one of my Masochistic boss, but with a little bit more like lightning effects so that it seems a little bit more fantasy fantasy-ish so it will be a little less simplistic but still re recognizably my art definitely and when it will be to expect I'm still working on the first two episodes so I'm still very in the beginning but if I ever get an assistant <laughs> I know uh, if I ever get an assistant it might get uh, faster so we will see how it goes in the future but I definitely like want to at least finish like the first four or five episodes before I start publishing it yeah on your patreon you mentioned <laughs> you want to hire an assistant mm -hmm. which is interesting because it shows that you want to reinvest back in the comics so it seems like this assistant will just be able to help you produce more stories is that the way you've been thinking about it yeah absolutely I I really want to have an assistant, even if it's just for like base colors or for simple stuff that nearly everyone else could do, just so that I have more time to like work on a second project. Um, that means that it won't change a lot for my masochistic boss, but it would help me to like get out a second comic faster and to be able to work separately on a second comic while also working on my first comic, my masochistic boss, without um, uh, without it 
getting left behind or anything like that. And yeah, yeah. Other things that I invested my money on would be like an ergonomical chair because they're really expensive, but I really am so happy that I did that because it definitely helped my back pain um, <laughs> because you really need to watch out for that when you're sitting for like hours and hours and not even when, not when you're just drawing, but in general, people who are sitting a lot, they should really watch out and look for better chairs because my old chair was a disaster. <laughs> That's definitely a nice pro tip. Uh, <laughs> last last thing I had about the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for young creators who want to make more money? It's super inspiring to see how quickly you've gone from launching this Patreon to providing yourself with a base uh, to give yourself a bit more income and opportunity to reinvest back into your art. I think one tip that I would absolutely give is that you should like, please don't be embarrassed or afraid or anything like that to market it. Because there are a lot of very great Patreon pages with very nice rewards and they have a big readership. But a lot of them that aren't doing well, aren't really promoting it very well. So I would definitely recommend to watch out for that and like uh, trying to promote it as good as you can, even if it's just like a little teaser at the end of like some episodes or something like that. And just showing what people can get there that can make a huge difference. Or at least I noticed that it definitely makes a huge difference because every time when I announce something, there will they come a lot of new people to my Patreon. So I definitely recommend always promote, promote, promote because marketing is such a an important part for trying to make money with it and even i mean i only started like a few months ago but i do think that uh specifically when i like publish a second story i i'm probably going to be a going to be able to live from that one day or that seems to be uh the case like it's going into that direction um that's not currently the case but i think that it will become like that uh in the future so you, you talked about the importance of promotion here. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you promoted to grow your Patreon? I, it's actually a little, it's actually pretty simple. Like when you uh, have, when you have early access, for example, you show like a little teaser from the next episodes, just so that people get maybe a little curious, specifically the more um, tense uh, situations get, people will be like, oh, I really need to know what happens right now. And I know that for myself, because every time when I was reading like an original or something, I would be, when there's like a very tense uh, moment, it would be like, oh my God, I really need to happen right now. So I would pay like for the fast pass episodes because I had no self-control. <laughs> um, I think like that's a good, that's a good thing. Or also the thank you Patreon. I have like at the end of my episodes, I always uh, mention my patrons with their name and I thank them for supporting me. And I think that's also pretty good because the more people you are you get on that list, the more y- you will look like someone who's also very reliable um, because you already have so many people paying and supporting you on patreon so the more it get the more people it gets i think um the more other people will be willing to be like oh okay so if there are so many people there probably will be something worth paying for (laughs) 
at least I think that's the case, but uh, I might, I might be wrong. <laughs> that's a very smart way to build the awareness of Patreon, having those names at the bottom. So really, really enjoy that. The next thing I wanted to talk to you a bit about is the creator community in Germany. So from what I've understood, there's a very tight-knit group of German Webtoon artists. And one of your recent episodes actually is a Oktoberfest collaboration highlighting a bunch of different characters from Germany. Do you mind talking a little bit more about what it's like to be a Webtoon artist in Germany and what the community there looks like? Mm-hmm. Um, so about the webcomic community in Germany, I think it's kind of pity actually because uh, <laughs> a lot there are a lot of creative people in Germany in general, but it's not very um, like it's not encouraged to be more creative in Germany in general. Let's say like most people will recommend you to not go into a direction that is more creative. Um, so. Which is, which is very sad because I know a lot of people here are very creative and really want to um, really want to be more creative um, careers and want to try that out. But a lot of people get tucked out, uh, out of it like I did when I was very young because most people obviously want something that is very secure, but yeah, they don't think that they can get that in like the webcomic community and all obviously it's not easy. It's actually very hard and it definitely needs a lot of time to build that up, but it's definitely not impossible. And as you already talked about, like the German community, like the Discord community, for example, uh, we have like a Discord community there with like a lot of more popular German creators there. The creators from like the little trash mate or let's cast off or idiots don't catch calls. You've got to be kidding me. Like all of these are very popular and they're actually are from German creators. So it's surprising for a lot of people, but a lot of the more popular webtoons on webtoon are actually German, um, which is pretty cool. And there actually has been coming out a webtoon German site. Like um, when you change the language when you change the language there are different sites like from like the korean webtoon or the english webtoon spanish french etc and there has been one uh, like there has been also a german one that has been coming out like in april and they actually wanted to like also get german originals but they didn't do that until now so um i'm definitely curious to see if they will change something but until now we haven't really heard anything from that so that's really sad, but I hope that that it will change. Do you mind sharing a bit more about how you all came up with the Oktoberfest collab, which I thought was really cool and fun <laughs> to see all the different art that people are producing? Um, we came up with that idea because we we thought we always wanted to like do um, a collab together, but we thought that it would be very fun since all we have since we are all German creators to do something that is like more specific to Germany and like the Oktoberfest came into mind and we thought yeah that would be a pretty cool idea because you can draw your characters on like cute dundles and all of that stuff so I was really excited to draw them and that cute little dresses they they looked so adorable <laughs> yeah it was very cool to see each character kind of take on a little bit of of the culture from the creator. It was, it was really cool to read. 
About the Webtoon industry in particular, is there anything that you wish could be different? You talked a bit about the challenges in Germany, specifically where young artists might be discouraged from becoming Webtoon artists, but are there other things that you would like to change as well? Definitely. I think I would I would wish for it to become more of an option for people to become like freelancers that that it gets talked more about specifically because nowadays um, you have so many possibilities specifically because of like online social media, et cetera, that has, that, that are all possibilities that you didn't have like 10 years ago. Like it's really crazy how everything like started to change and gets more and more into the direction that more people can be like indie creators or self-publishing freelancers, et cetera, and are absolutely able to live from that. And I just hope that something like that gets a little bit more like encouraged. Obviously it shouldn't, you should always have like a plan B for everything because that's not a hundred percent always secure that you will uh, be able to live from this, but it shouldn't be, people shouldn't be discouraged. And I hope it gets more and more into that direction. And my final question for you, Arisa, what advice would you give a young, aspiring Webtoon artist? (laughs) It's okay to fail. And it's absolutely okay to give up a comic idea because I think a lot of people, when they start with comics, start with like their their huge idea that they have in mind, like the story that they always wanted to draw for years and years. And honestly... I know I a lot of people hate to hear that, but I wouldn't start with that comic because like the first comic that you do, you improve so much in a very short amount of time and you will hate yourself for starting with your passion project at first. So I wouldn't do that. Um, I think it's way better to start with maybe a smaller idea and just trying and seeing if something does well. And even if it doesn't, like, uh, don't be ashamed to say, okay, um, it just isn't for me. So I want to try other things. I want to try different things. And you don't need to feel pressured to finish something if you're not entirely behind it. And yeah, don't be afraid to draw whatever you want, because that's like the most beautiful thing about Webtoon, that you have that extremely creative freedom and yeah, also that I already mentioned it, but please specifically if you if your goal is that you want to try to earn some sort amount of money with that, please don't forget, like get you get yourself out there, market and promote promote it. It's not a bad thing to promote yourself. Um, because a lot of people feel kind of icky, I think. When I talk to them, they feel like uh, I don't want to ask for money, etc. Um, they feel kind of bad about it, and I and I always say you you should know how much your work is worth for, and um, that you take and that that you take a lot amount of time to draw this. So please be proud of your work and definitely know the worth of your work. That is lovely advice, Arisa. Thank you so much for taking some time to get on our show today. Listener, you can follow Arisa on all social media platform at Arisa's Art. Arisa, once again, thank you so much. And please go check out My Masochistic Boss. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod 
at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.